0: This morning's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered because he saw him who is invisible this is god's word good morning i am if you are new here uh, my name is brian park and um, I have the humble opportunity to um, share the word with you guys this morning. Um, our beloved, dear uh, Pastor Donnie Cho and his wife Angela are not here with us. They're currently, he's currently on a preaching hiatus, uh, just resting with his wife. He will be back here next week to worship with us. Uh, just wanted to let you know that Um, He dearly misses worshiping with everyone here, and so excited to be back with you guys next week. But in the meantime, the one thing we do ask is to just continue to keep him and his wife Angela in prayer as they're resting and just continuing to grow personally, and just for the sake of this church and his kingdom. We are currently going through our sermon series um, in, in terms of Uh, what it means to understand faith. So uh, understanding faith, we've been going through uh, the book and specifically the chapter Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 by faith alone, uh, where week after week after week we've been going through more of the prominent figures in the Old Testament and just seeing what faith looked like for them uh, within their perspective context and how that redemptively, historically uh, is parallel to Christ and what that may look like for us today. So as we continue in our series regarding understanding faith and trusting in Jesus, I'm going to ask that y'all will join me in prayer this morning. Lord God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for all that you have done. We thank you for you are good and you are faithful. And Lord God, that we are reminded as we have sung this morning, Lord God, that everything is for our good and for your glory. May that be true for all of us today. May that be a resounding echo of our hearts. God, but the reality is many of us are in deep despair. Many of us are in light of a great suffering. Many of us are just overwhelmed by our depravity. And at times we feel like there is no way out. But God, by your grace, through your Son, Christ, alone, may we be reminded of the great hope that we have in you. And may this word, may this good word be a reminder of it this morning. Lord, I desire to be an instrument within the Redeemer's hands. So, Lord God, according, use me accordingly to your strength. We thank you in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Now, one of my uh, favorite moments growing up as a child was a yearly summer trip with my family. And it wasn't big or extravagant, but it was something very, very dear to me because we didn't do it very often. And the yearly summer trip would be us going to uh, Six Flags Great Adventure Amusement Park, which is about an hour away from here. Uh, it was our summer family outing. It was the few that we had, but it was probably one of my favorite times. Out of these yearly trips, the one thing I would never, ever forget uh, when I was uh, going on the roller coaster for the very first time, I remember the excitement and the fear as I'm waiting in line to the point where uh, I was ready to leave, but my brother would just grab me. He says, no, no, you're going to stick it out with me. And I would have left if he didn't stop me. I remember the excitement and the fear. I remember hearing the screams. I remember processing the anxiety. I remember my heart began to race. I remember my hands got to, uh, to the point of being a little clammy finally, on the great American screen machine, I would go down 60 miles per hour, max speed, and here it was, this moment, this three minutes of fear into freedom, as I would surrender myself with my arms raised high, with my eyes closed, this simple, but yet thrilling experience. See, there is something beautiful about this notion of surrender. And there is something about raising your hands freely for a fleeting moment of freedom that resounds to one of the Christian faith. See, in Christianity, surrender is of great significance. For we are to live a life of surrender to an Almighty God. What what does that mean for us today? What do we mean when we say faith as surrender? I got three points for y'all today as we talk about faith as surrender, the fear in surrendering, the faith in surrendering, and the freedom in surrendering. The fear The faith and the freedom. The first point: fear in surrendering. Now, in this section of Hebrews, as we're as we are navigating through the hall of faith, we are now introduced to Moses. Moses is one of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament. God specifically chose Moses to lead the Israelites from captivity in Egypt to salvation in the promised land. So here we begin in verse 23. Read with me. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Verse 23 is telling us that Moses' story started in very uncertain circumstances. Moses was raised in a time of much fear for God's people. See, as we begin in the book of Exodus, the peaceful existence of Jacob's family in Egypt turned into one of oppression through enslavement because of one named Pharaoh. See, in Exodus, it tells us as God blessed the Hebrew people with numeric growth, the Egyptians would begin to fear this increasing number of Jews living in their lands. So how does Pharaoh respond? He would enslave God's chosen people. He would decree that all male infants would be murdered by throwing them into the Nile River. See, Pharaoh he ruled by creating an unjust system towards the people of God. God's holy people are now marginalized. It's here where we are witnessing a system of slavery producing fear, but it's interesting because it's actually Pharaoh's fear that's producing this slavery. That's why in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11, track with me, it says, So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. But the more they were oppressed, The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. So let me be very clear. See, you and I, we often function not like the Israelites in this text. In actuality, we often function like Pharaoh, We respond in fear whenever we potentially lose the things you and I value the most. We respond in fear when our idols fail us. We respond in fear when our idols leave us. We respond in fear when the idols begin to abandon us. What is an idol, you ask? An idol is the personification of sin it 's the one thing in your life that you become enslaved to your blood, sweat, and tears fully invested into this worth one thing assumed to worth living for. What was pharaoh 's idolatry for Pharaoh, it was his ethnic pride, it was his status, it was his power. Now, for you and I, it may not be one of those things mentioned, but for us, it may look like a relationship. For us, it may look like a success. For us, it may look like our relationships and job and just overall value in career. But at the end of it all, idolatry will make you miserable Because the one thing you have, and maybe you have it for a split second, you're going to want something more. The one job that you may be happy with, you may not be content if it's your ultimate thing, and you're going to want something better. You always want a little bit more money. You always want a little bit more. It becomes a life of slavery. You ever notice that when you don't get the thing you want deeply, you respond in fear, you respond in anxiety, or then there be be this unhealthy drive that is affecting you to the point of utter exhaustion. See, in this narrative, Pharaoh's fear of losing his power, it would produce an institution of sla- slavery for Israel. And in the same way, Our fear of losing our idols will produce an institution of slavery for the soul. And these idols become our masters. And these masters do not give joy. They only give sorrow. Let me explain. In the very sad history of America, slavery in the United States was a legal institution existed in the United States in the 18th and 19th centuries, these slave masters would often resort to physical punishment to impose their wills. During this period of slavery, white male plantation owners, their sons, brothers, and other male acquaintances raped black women without fear or punishment. Metal and wood neck collars with spikes and metal masks were often placed on enslaved people for months at a time. After enslaved men and women were whipped or beaten, overseers uh, would often, every once in a while, order their wounds to be burst by rubbing it with turpentine and red pepper. Slaves were punished by whipping, shackling, hanging, beating, burning, mutilation, Branding and imprisonment. See, in the same way, our idols not only master us, they become the punishment of your soul. It becomes the burning, the shackling, and the mutilation of the heart. Our sin idolatry will create a system of fear and oppression. Sin idolatry is the cosmetic surgery against the natural beauty of the Mago day. But just as systems of slavery are unable to break the beauty of a black body and soul, in faith the fear produced in slavery will not be victorious. Scripture does tell us that there is a victory. Scripture does tell us there is a way. Where does it come from? Well, we find it not in our works, but the second point tells us that it is in faith. Who will set the Israelites free? For us, who will set us free from slavery to our idolatry. As Rose Marie Miller, a well-known Christian author, beautifully writes, the only hope of liberation for a helpless, resisting caterpillar in the ring of fire is deliverance from above. Someone must reach down into the ring and take us out. Verse 23 begins to unfold this for us, because they saw he was no ordinary child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. In a deliberate act of disobedience to Pharaoh, that all male babies were to be thrown into the Nile, Moses' parents, uh, they hid their child for three months by placing Moses in a basket, and he, uh, put them, they put them in the Nile River, meaning they chose to fear God rather than the might of Pharaoh. The question is, what made them do something so risk-worthy? What made his parents do such a bold act? Well, in uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, the hiding of Moses, uh, they only show that there's one motive given, and it was that he was a fine child. The term fi- fine child is from Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, which is from the Greek word astion, and it describes the striking attractiveness of the infant. One biblical scholar writes, Moses' parents found in the attractiveness of their son as a basis for faith in the unseen purposes of God, meaning his striking attractiveness was a visible sign of God's favor, an attractive sign. Currently, uh, I'm at a stage where many of my friends are getting engaged and married. And for many of my brothers, it's going to be one of the most difficult challenges for them because there's this process of figuring it all out, of getting the perfect engagement ring. It has to be perfect. And, you know, for for the men, you know, you you get stressed and you get anxious and there's so much detail trying to figure out this one moment uh, uh, where you are getting a ring all the way to the point of offering the ring. But here's the thing about this. I don't know if it's just me, but I have never heard or seen once a time where the guy failed at getting a ring. Never have I seen that, at least. i never seen a ring being scoffed at. See, when there's a showcasing of the ring after an engagement announcement, it's always of awe. It's always of celebration. It's always of joy. Why? See, the striking attractiveness is not the ring's appearance itself. The ring can be the nicest ring with the highest level of the five C's, It can be the sweetest ring pop. It does not matter. What matters the most is people are not just celebrating the ring for its appearance. They are celebrating of what the ring represents. See, the ring is a sign of covenantal marriage. See, this fine child, it was more than just a good-looking baby. There was something special. It was a sign. This infant was so fine in appearance that the parents knew the son would be a beacon of hope for God's people in enslavement and oppression. Verse 24 tells us a little bit more about this. Read with me. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So what's happening? the basket that was placed in the Nile by his parents would eventually be found by Pharaoh's daughter and she adopts him she raises him he becomes hers but as nile as moses grew into adulthood he began to empathize with his people Rather than receiving the benefits of being adopted into Pharaoh's family, in verse twenty-four, there's one part that's really important to highlight. And it says, "When he was grown up, Uh, when he was grown up." uh, It's just a phrase, but it's actually a very important phrase because it's highlighting uh, an allusion to Exodus chapter two, verse eleven. Because it's here in Exodus chapter two, verse eleven, when we see Moses, his experience when he sees an Egyptian attacking an innocent Hebrew. It was in Exodus chapter 2.11 where we see Moses intervene for this Hebrew. He would murder the Egyptian with his bare hands, and he would honor the Hebrew. Why is this important? This was the episode of Moses' renunciation of privilege and power as Pharaoh's daughter he would rather identify himself with the marginalized. This was the moment when he realized that he would rather be with his people who are enslaved in Egypt. And that's why the unnamed author of Hebrews in verse 25 says, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So for the Israelites... We see enslavement in a system of fear, and they find their faith and their hope in one named Moses, who would persevere to eventually become the prince, judge, and the lawgiver of the Israelites. Now, if Moses is the mediator of the Israelites, who will we find our faith in? Look at verse 26 with me. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. See, the same reward Moses was looking ahead towards is the same for us today because we too are offered a child in fine appearance This child was far beyond our imagination. It was the most rarest diamond, more than we have ever seen. As Psalm 19 says, it was the one that was sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. See, Moses was a born Hebrew who hid in Egypt as a child while his people were suffering under Pharaoh. Jesus Christ was a born Hebrew who hid in Egypt as a child while his people were suffering under a cruel leader. Moses refuses. Adoptive status as Pharaoh's daughter, which would have included all the treasures of Egypt for the sake of his people. On the other hand, we have Jesus Christ, one that refused his adoptive status as God's son for our sake. And just as Moses would rather be mistreated along with the people of God jesus christ would go beyond mistreatment he would suffer the utmost suffering so he would let known that he is side by side with his people listen you do not have to find yourself trapped in the spirit of slavery but through the person and work of Christ, by faith alone and grace alone, he has set you free from slavery, uh, slaves to adoption as sons and daughters. You don't have to fear losing your idols, for all you gain is the benefits of sonship. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, says this perfectly the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receives brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Oh, my God. Praise him for this truth today, that we are no longer into the spirit of slavery, but in Christ alone, by faith alone and grace alone, we receive the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. And when this truth becomes a redemptive reality, we see the freedom in our surrendering. Read verse 27 with me. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Now, some scholars thought this was referring to the incident that I mentioned earlier regarding the Hebrew victim and defending him. Uh, But when we look at the overall passage, we would say that this is most unlikely, uh, rather, when we look at verse 27, this is a reference to the famous leaving, the exodus, the parting of the Red Sea. See, for the Israelites, their trust in Moses led to freedom from slavery. For the Israelites, it's interesting, they did nothing by their own selves uh, to, to overcome this fear, it's not stated in this passage. All we see in this passage is that the Israelites just trusted in someone that had no fear of the king's anger. So that's why we see in verse 27 he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. The freedom of God's people from Pharaoh's role depended on Moses'. Faith to the invisible God over the very visible king. Listen, there is nothing you can do to overcome your own fear. There is nothing you can do to overcome your slavery to it. The power of idolatry by the wretched self is a big heavy power, and it consumes the soul. So the only thing we can do is trust and surrender into the one that was perfectly fearless on the cross. This is the freedom. The work is done. It is finished. When you trust and surrender in the power of the gospel, it's not because of anything you and I ever did. But as John chapter 8, verse 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, oh my God, you will be free indeed. See, Moses was considered to be the prince of Egypt. But Jesus Christ is the prince of the world. And we are set free from the notion that you have to function as a small prince in your tiny kingdom we have the benefit of being ruled by a perfect prince of peace in his triumphant kingdom. As I land this plane, I want to highlight uh, one word that we find in verse 27. And it's where it says, persevered. Now the word perseverance alludes to something much longer. And although uncertain, uh, We're not exactly sure, but many scholars would say that Moses was at least 80 years old when he parted the Red Sea. See, in the same way, the battle against our fears and failures does require much perseverance. But when I say perseverance, it's not doing more work. The work was already done. When I see perseverance for us today, it's trust and holy surrender in him. Because he is the only master that masters us perfectly. He is the only master to offer freedom rather than oppression. In war, when one surrenders, it's after numerous lives lost, it's after much bloodshed, and an understanding that they can't win. So, They are responding to the truth of the matter. A life of surrendering in Jesus Christ is responding to the truth of the matter. There is a waging war in our hearts, the idle factors that are being built, but the gospel is the blessed assurance knowing that the battle was already won on Calvary where ultimate bloodshed was poured for our sake. And in this war, it did not have thousands of casualties. It only had one. Will you respond this morning in a life of faith as surrender for the sake of your fears unto freedom? (laughs) Surrender yourselves to the love of Christ, for it is the ultimate freedom.